I'm Ken Young, and this is Listening Studio Colorado, spotlighting people, organizations, events, and topics making an impact on the LGBTQIA community in Colorado. My goal with this podcast is to spotlight all types of people and topics that impact our Colorado LGBTQIA community. And some of those topics are going to be tough to talk about, but they are a reality in our community and worth discussing. Over the years, I've lost more friends than I ever imagined I would to addiction and depression. I've had my own struggles over the years, and I'm thankful I was able to make positive lifestyle changes. I've also seen many friends rise up and overcome and speak openly about their struggles and successes. For those of you listening, and I do hope that you are, you are an absolute inspiration to me, and it is your journey and success that I love seeing on social media every day. There are so many in our community right now who are struggling. And I wanted to know if there were resources in our community that address these topics, as well as many other services. As part of my search, I came across Denver Element, a group that manage and coordinates LGBTQ services and programs of Mile High Behavioral Health Care. They believe in creating a stronger, more empowered community through their programs. The Mile High Recovery Project, Denver Peak, Positive Impact, access to prep, just to name a few. Um, like I said, a little bit of a space shortage here, so we have like six different teammates who are all working. Justin Lewis is a behavioral health specialist with Denver HIV Element. Education, um, supporting people living with HIV and um, prevention work with people at risk. Um, and then we have our resource table, which I'll give you um, one of these. This kind of talks about all of our programs, but different um, resources in the community or things working, things about HIV medications, different um, events that we have coming up. This is our... Um, symposium we have um, for queer men's health at the end of the month. We do this every year and it's really fun, a really fun event. Free brunch and um, lots of amazing speakers talking about different health and wellness. Down these halls we have two other um, hallways of, of uh, therapists and mental health professionals. So we have four major programs that happen here. Element, which is the queer services. Miracles, which is a substance use and mental health treatment program for women specifically. Um, we have our justice program, which is people who are coming here through probation, parole, DUI, and needing mental health or substance use treatment. And then um, we also have our uh, Climbing to the Stars, which is a young adults program for people with mental health and substance use concerns ages 18 to 25 that are usually getting housing with Urban Peak um, and then they come for their treatment here. So that's just all offices. I uh, have a master's in counseling um, that I received from the University of Colorado Denver and a bachelor's in psychology that I also received from the same university. Um, so I 
um, actually decided to pursue counseling after some years myself of being a um, pastor. I was actually a pastor for a very conservative Christian church, um, working primarily with uh, teenagers. And um, I was in the closet. I was not out myself. Um, and so when I I was suffering, I was in a lot of pain. I had a lot of depression, anxiety, um, substance use in my life. And so um, I realized that something was not working and I needed to change it. So I quit my job, I moved, I kind of lost all of my friends in my community and a lot of challenges with my family. And um, I decided to start kind of working and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And um, I realized I wanted to, to kind of give back to start to kind of um, break down some of the damage that was caused by the communities that I had been a part of. And so I decided to be a therapist. Um, and I and I wanted to focus my work on working with LGBTQ people because I just saw the need, that it was so desperate. And I saw what it was like for me to suffer um, when I didn't have the help that I needed. So, so yeah, so I was lucky enough that when I was getting ready for my internship in my master's program, um, that there was an internship available at the Denver Element, which is a program that focuses on working with LGBTQ people and um, originally and primarily substance use disorders and addiction. So um, I was really excited to be able to do that. And so I interned here and then now I work here. For those who have never heard about Denver Element, could you tell us a little bit more about your group? Yeah, yeah. So we're um, a program of Mile High Behavioral Health Care, which is a community nonprofit uh, mental health treatment center uh, in the Denver metro area. And Denver Element is the program that focuses specifically on LGBTQ people and people living with HIV. So we get a lot of funding. We're completely grant funded. Um, and our funding is um, focused a lot on working with people living with HIV and um, folks who are at risk of um, contracting HIV. And so we do a lot of uh, prevention work in the community. That's like half of our team does like prevention and social support stuff. And then the other half is um, uh, clinical services, mental health counseling, substance use counseling, both individual and group, um, and then peer support and case management um, from the clinical side. And so we work with um, all queer people and people living with HIV. Studies have shown that when compared with the general population, gay, bisexual, lesbian, and transgender individuals are more likely to use alcohol and drugs and have a higher rate of substance abuse. Why do you think that is? It's a great question, one that I've um, been asked a lot, and I do a lot of actually presentations and education on this for the community and for other treatment centers. Um, and there was actually a little, a little article in the Denver Post that was um, published a few months ago that I was able to contribute towards asking this exact question which um, you know, is from my research experience and the work that I do with my clients, a lot of it is based on discrimination, oppression, and marginalization that queer people experience on a daily basis and throughout their life. And substance use is a coping mechanism. Um, when we are de dealing with the trauma that we've experienced um, in many facets of our life and in, in relationship to our sexual orientation or gender identity, um, and then when we experience uh, everyday microaggressions, macroaggressions, um, abuse, neglect, those things, uh, substances look really great because they take that pain away for a short time. Um, they make us feel something else, something that feels more, more manageable. And so uh, I think it's really common um, for folks to utilize substances in that way. 
And I think there's another part to it, which is really worth discussing as well, which is that a lot of um, queer culture, I think, especially even more primarily with uh, gay, bisexual, queer men is based around bars. The bar culture um, kind of teaches us that the place that we socialize is at a bar with drinking. And so we, um, in a time where we're very sensitive and very fearful of connecting with other queer people and when we were originally coming out, we go to a bar, we drink some to loosen ourselves up, to feel more comfortable in our skin and with connecting with other people when we've been so fearful of that for so long. And then that becomes a habit that we learn. We learn to connect while drinking. We learn to be a part of that culture. And that also leads into sort of the whole party lifestyle and and other like sort of partying drugs that kind of go into the whole circuit party world. I can certainly relate to the bar culture side. Uh, it seems like we don't talk about it much in our community. I think it's a taboo subject that we're not entirely open about. There's a few reasons why I think it feels like shameful or blaming like to say like oh you know um you know queer communities have higher rates of substance use and mental illness it then sounds like we're saying that 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 being queer is the problem right and i think that the people use that against us um you know uh for their political agenda or their social agenda whatever that may be their religious agenda they use these things as showing us like oh see like because you're gay because you're trans like you are dysfunctional you can't cope with your environment and it's like no the environment doesn't give us what we need to support ourselves and and sometimes we turn towards this or many other coping mechanisms so I think it is really taboo. And I also think that when people don't want to be questioned about their substance use, one of the things that I get from a lot of my clients who are in recovery or um, identify as being sober, um, they say that when they tell their friends that they don't drink or that they don't want to drink or they don't want to party, that their friends withdraw from them because they feel like by saying, I don't drink or I'm sober, that that's an accusation against you and your drinking or your substance use. And so they're just trying to live their life and be safe for themselves, but then their friends take it as, a, as an attack on their use. And so there's this, it, it makes it even hard to find and keep connections. So um, we have a kitchen where we uh, can feed our clients three days a week, uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday. We do lunch um, for all of our clients, which is really nice. Um, we also have a garden that's in the back. The garden um, allows us to, to plant vegetables, fruits, herbs, things like that, that the clients can actually take that food with them and have fresh vegetables and stuff. And also we use the garden as part of our therapy to like do something experiential, physical, like getting out of the office and outside and also like learning some like skills. Um, we also do like lots of other types of um, uh, work with clients, not just therapy, but like yoga, like the group in there is doing right now. Um, we have an acupuncturist come in and do acupuncture. We have um, physicians in our office. We have dentists that work with us. So we really try to offer everything that somebody could need. Um, not everything, but a lot of things people could need in one place. So, Are there success stories that you can share with us? I think one of the beautiful things about what our programs offer is, since we are focused on just working with queer people, our groups are solely queer people. And that gives people the opportunity to really talk about some things that they're not able to talk about in other programs. So for example, I have a client that I've been working with for about a year and a half who um, went through treatment maybe 10 years ago for meth use and um, was able to find sobriety and maintain that for about seven years. But then when he moved to 
um, the Denver metro area and tried to, um, you know, had lost a lot of the connections in his home state. Um, he found himself kind of withdrawing and kind of going back to the same patterns of using meth. And when, you know, finally kind of came to terms with what he was doing and decided to come back to treatment and came and found us. Um, and he was very attracted to coming here because there was felt like a safe space for him as a gay man. Um, and he realized during his treatment with us that he was able to finally talk about in a very safe and open way about how he had linked his Matthews with his sex life. So, um, uh, they had been just so intertwined, which is actually a really common thing, especially around, with gay, bi, queer men, is to use meth and sex, right? Party and play. So that, that whole, there's so much shame in talking about our sex life. There's so much marginalization that people experience when they're in a, you know, a more open, maybe group that has a lot more straight men because most substance use treatment is gendered. So they put like men in one group and women in other groups. So if you're the only gay man in a room of, he of heterosexual men, um, and you need to talk about how, you know, this last weekend you were at this sex party for three straight days using, um, you can't, you don't feel safe to do that. And so you really don't get to address some of the stuff. And so him being able to do that gave him the tools that he finally needed and the, you know, the ability to process some things that he had been through that now he's been able to be sober for the last year um, and continue that journey. And that's just like one example of sure. types of people who experience similar things here. Well, understandably, you and your colleagues deal with some, some heavy issues affecting people every day. Uh, there seems to be a lighter side here. The space seems very comfortable and inviting. Yeah, it really is. Um, and I think it has to be because, you know, you sit in a session for an hour, you're literally listening to people's trauma, um, some of the hardest things that they've experienced in their life. And you have to step away from that for even a couple moments and um, and joke around with um, with your coworkers, you know, have fun, talk about, you know, drag race or, um, you know, just things that are going on in our personal life that aren't um, related to counseling. If any of our listeners know someone who struggles with alcohol, drugs, trauma, how can they reach out? Or I guess a better question would be, what's the best thing we can do to support a friend or family member who needs help? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, we often want to try to push people to do things that they're not ready to do. And usually that actually backfires. And so I think the, the most important thing is to just stay present in that person's life. Um, in whatever way you can, you don't put yourself at risk and harm yourself more if there's if their substance use is so destructive that it's causing you a ton of harm. But just in some way, staying present in that person's life and letting them know that you're a safe person, a person that can talk to them, that can help them get get support if they if they want it and when they're ready, um, and uh, and encouraging them along the way when they do have successes, um, and then when they if and if and when they do come to you. Um, you know, being non-judgmental and understanding that this is a disease. It's a it's a symptom of the distress that we experience in our world. It's not a moral thing. It's not a, a lack of um, strength or, or character, you know. Um, and so that support is just is so vital. Um, and then along the whole journey, people need a people in their life um, when they're going through recovery or going through treatment. They need a support from their family, from their friends. They just need people in the world that say, you're good, you're loved, you're wanted. Um, we're here for you. So, Are there ways people in our community can help Denver Element? 
So we do have volunteer um, program um, that's actually being, uh, that just kind of got off its feet in the last, or on its feet, whatever the phrase is, <laughs> in the last few months, because we have an amazing um, staff member, uh, Joffrey, who is kind of taking that on and leading that, which is great. And um, so, yes, we can, we always take volunteers. Um, we are a nonprofit, so we also, like, always are open to take donations from the community. Um, since we're grant funded, we have to be very thoughtful about how we use our money. Um, and we can only use our money within specific guidelines. And so when we can get money from community partners or supported members in our community, that money can be used um, for things that are not allowed within our grants, such as, you know, you're sitting in my office right now, Ken, and you can see that it's really small. Our building is really small. And in a lot of ways, it doesn't work to what we need. And Denver Element would love to have their own um, site someday. We would love to have our own office, our own hub, um, somewhere probably more closer to the community in Capitol Hill or somewhere near Colfax. We're in like Globeville um, in a warehouse district. We're not easily accessible. The buses don't stop right in front of us. The light rail's not open over here yet. Um, so it's tough for people to get here. And so we want to be more central. So donations are always helpful. And I think just knowing that we exist and talking about us and like mentioning it and referring people to us, um, you know, community partners, um, individuals, just putting us on your referral lists or talking to us about what we do so that we can be a part of, you know, those conversations with the community. We'll definitely link you guys on our website, listencolorado.com. You guys had a presence at Pride last year. Is Denver Element going to be in Pride Fest again this year? Yes, we're, we're always at Pride. We have a huge float that we always do. And it actually sits in our parking lot year round. When, and it just looks like nothing right now. Just like a, <laughs> a trailer with wood planks up on the side. But um, so every year we do a different theme for our our, our um our uh, float and we also have a booth um, with all of our resources and obviously giving out swag and all of the things so we'll actually have two booths this year one for our new program which is called transgender center of the rockies um, which is a develop a program specifically for transgender and gender expansive folks um, helping to kind of meet the need that has been um that is out there now that the Gender Identity Center of Colorado has closed. Um, so we're really excited about that. So both of those, both Denver Element and um, Transgender Center of the Rockies will have booths um, at, at Pride this year. As a community, I believe that it's important that we try to understand that there are those who need our support. Uh, I have great respect for the job that you and your colleagues do every day. And I wanted our community to be aware of Denver Element and realize that there is help, there is hope for those who need it. Justin, thank you so much for taking time today and thank you for all that you do. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You'll find a link to Denver Element on our website, listencolorado.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Listening Studio and Twitter at Listen Colorado. I'm Ken Young and this is Listening Studio Colorado.